On this episode of the Breaking the Game show, I, Stephen Gillespie, return to Breaking the Game, and I join my buddy Austin Carr as we discuss a segment called, Was I Right? Yes, we're going to talk about the articles that I posted up this last April and May about the coaching changes I expected to see, the All-NBA teams I thought were going to be named, and we discuss where I was right, where I was wrong, and then we get into a little bit of an NBA Finals preview between the Milwaukee Bucks and and the Phoenix Suns. You're not going to want to miss this episode. Thank you guys so much for supporting the show. It means the world to me. And thank you guys so much for continuing to tune in. We'll be right back with you after this break. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Breaking the Game. I am very, very excited to announce to you all that I am no longer alone. I do have my captain back in his in his captain's chair. Thank God. Steven, <laughs> welcome back. How's it feel, man? Oh, dude. Well, first off, thank you very much, Austin, for the lovely introduction, man. Uh, and to answer your question, it's so awesome to be back. I've missed you so much, dude. First off, round of applause. Congratulations for holding the fort down while I was gone. Well, I've you. tried catching up on all the shows that I missed um, from everything I've heard from you know the latest episode you did to the fans roundtable. Did a phenomenal job, dude. And um, I got to say, it's cool if you want to take over, man. I'll be the new Austin, and you can be the Steven. That's fine with me, bro. Um, I'll take over all the extra work that you were doing because I didn't realize that you were how exactly how much you were doing, and it's not really fair. But I want you to be the leader of the show. It was way too stressful. No matter how good it looked like I was doing, I was always about to puke. So, uh, it's all good, man. But hey, we're back, man. We got the team yes. back together, and back. we talked a little bit about what we were going to be discussing on the first show back, and bro. I'm excited because I get to brag a little bit on this episode, homie. Right. You know, we figure you've been gone for a little while. We might as well bring you back in and, you know, let you go glow to everybody about what, what you were right about. So sounds like fun. Yeah, absolutely. What I love to do. I mean, you're usually the gloater. I, I typically let you do your finish line glory laps and all that fun stuff. I, I, you know, I figure since I'm going to be the new Austin now, I get to kind of try my hand at it and see how it works. Oh, it's, it's definitely your turn for sure. <laughs> All right, man. Well, so it, Austin, if you remember, dude, I posted up an article at the end of April and it was kind of my coaching hot seat tracker. And I shared it to a couple groups. I talked about it with some people and I'm just going to say, I got a lot of heat on my seat because of this one, because some mm -hmm. of these coaches, I, I felt like at the time I was going out on a limb a little bit, but I could start piecing together some of these breadcrumbs and, and looking at the way that everything was connected and the way I foresaw it coming, projecting at the end of the season, I was like, okay, I could see these these coaches be moving on possibly a little bit earlier than anticipated. And mm -hmm. and dude, did you get a chance to look at that article and see what happened? You know, as it was happening, how did you react to that? I mean, yeah, obviously, I I doubt. You know, some of them were like you were like reading someone's mind or something. I don't really know how you do that, but you always kind of have that ability. And then a few of them, I think were kind of obvious ones, but you know, that doesn't take away from it. I will say though, that as it was happening, 
in real time, it seemed like a lot of these coaching positions got filled way quicker than, especially last year and just, Mm -hmm. you know, years past in general, it seemed like as soon as I realized all the openings that there were three or four of them were already filled. And, you know, the Pacers are never a team to, to hurry to make one of these decisions. And they were like the first ones. So that was interesting for sure. Yeah, I didn't even put the Pacers on mine because that was one of the ones that were starting to come out into, you know, the media and the in the ether a little bit that, you know, our guy Nate Bjorkren looked right. like he was going to be on his way out. And uh, I didn't I didn't want to entertain that one so much because I felt like that would have been, you know, kicking a dead horse, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I I did an episode where I used your Nate Bjorken voice about 10 times. It was fun. <laughs> I heard I that with Chris. A whole episode about him and uh, uh, Danny Ainge. Which, absolutely. If you didn't know how I feel about Danny Ainge, now you do. Oh, dude, yeah, I absolutely <laughs> remember your thoughts on Danny Ainge. But hey, Austin, let's we'll get into these coaches. Now, the first one that I had on this article, I put that he should have a little bit of heat, but I could see that there was going to be a little bit of pressure on him you know, with the the superstar that he has on his team, the level of expectation that he has to succeed with such a high level superstar in the NBA. And that was Stan Van Gundy. Now, mm-hmm. I'll admit that I didn't foresee this season him, you know, having to walk away from that role. But I did say that with a guy like Zion Williamson in the small market of a New Orleans, we just saw what happened with Anthony Davis a couple seasons ago. I was like, I could definitely see this going some kind of way because finishing 10th place in the Western Conference is not what anyone had on their minds when they made this hire. What say you, Austin? Not at all. You know, and I think that's the key there. For one, it was, you know, just a a team that everybody expected to be a playoff team. And two, you got to feel like Stan probably had a hand in being done after one year. I know it says he got fired, but... I, I kind of feel like for someone with his reputation and standing in the league to only get one year, it was probably kind of at least agreed upon when they brought it up to him. Like, you know what? Hey, yeah, this probably isn't a good fit for me. And he kind of realized it pretty quick. So, you know, just the fact that they underachieved so much. And like you said, with a guy like Zion in a small market, like they can't take any chances. I'm worrying though that New Orleans is going to start turning into Minnesota 2.0 because mm. there just seems like they're starting to squander all this, you know, generational talent. They did it with Anthony Davis and never won a thing. Now Zion's going to be on his third coach in three years. And, you know, hopefully this one turns, you know, kind of writes the ship for him because otherwise, you know, who, who knows how many chances they're going to get before he gets fed up. Yeah. And not to mention just Zion, right. But they have Brandon Ingram who is kind of jumping into that, you know, second star level kind of reminds me a little bit of a a Chris Middleton. I know people like to compare him to a Kevin Durant because, you know, he's long, he's a shooter, you know, he's got so much potential, but I liken him to a little bit of a Chris Middleton to where he may have games where he can step up and kind of be that guy who can take over, especially in clutch situations, because I mean, let's face it, Zion really isn't that level of a, uh, closer yet neither is a Giannis Antetokounmpo so you need a guy like a Chris Middleton and that's kind of where I like in Brandon Ingram on this squad too he's a guy that can be that secondary sometimes maybe even tertiary scorer but in clutch moments he can be a guy that you can run an offense through Austin yeah definitely and I think too the fact that they have so many draft picks in the next few years may kind of had played a part in this decision too because mm-hmm. you know, with the amount of capital they have, they're probably their their mindset is probably along the lines of 
we maybe don't even have this, the number two or number three star on this team. We haven't even drafted him yet. So there, there may be saying, you know, Stan was not the right coach for this team because our window is two years from now and not right now. And Stan probably was not really up for a couple years of, you know, whatever this was going to be. And he didn't, obviously his system didn't work with these guys at all. And it was really confusing why, why Brandon Ingram and Zion had like no plays run together whatsoever. Like it was like they had to take turns in the offense. So it just, it was just a weird fit all around. And I think it's probably for the best that Stan moved on. Yeah. And I agree with you. And a lot of people were saying, well, Stan may be able to do a little bit with Zion, what he did with the Dwight Howard, but that the similarity that those two have Austin is that they're physical freaks of nature, but they're two completely different players. Dwight Howard was just a defensive monster. You know, he could score, but he really wasn't a polished score. Whereas Zion, he's still figuring things out. He's more offensive oriented. He's significantly smaller than Dwight too. Right. Plays a different position, but he doesn't have that defensive prowess. No, he definitely doesn't. And it is just kind of the fact that they're both big, I think is what really kind of, made those comparisons because mm. one's what six seven and one's almost seven foot yeah and one <laughs> was three-time defensive player of the year and the other one is like setting records for offensive efficiency or you know that definitely wasn't the name of dwight's game when he came into the league he was a big time scorer but you know everything was either two feet from the rim or he wasn't making it and zion's kind of been that way though too so there are a few similarities but zion is like nothing we've ever seen before and i think you just have to f kind of toy around with whatever your system is until you figure out what works for him. Because I've never in my life seen a guy in the NBA be able to literally physically just bully everybody else. And that's all he's really done up to this point offensively. And he's averaging 25 or six points a game. You know, he was good enough for to make one of my all NBA teams. I actually had him on the first team, if you remember. I do but, remember. And he still doesn't even really have he has half of an offensive game right now he has the ability to take it to the rim and fight for offensive rebounds and putbacks but he he's got a decent stroke that you got to be excited about i think it's it's easier to see him in a few years being a better three-point shooter than it is to see Giannis in a few years i don't i don't see Giannis ever getting a whole lot better at this point at shooting threes i don't think he necessarily needs to but i think zion's got the the stroke for sure to where he could really add that to his game at some point, and he's just going to be like a, a for. He's already a force to be reckoned with. I can't imagine what it's going to be like once he develops, you know, some actual second and third skills on the offensive end. No, hundred percent. And just real quick before we move on to the next coach, uh, Charles Lee and Willie Green are rumored to be uh, the the lead candidates that New Orleans is targeting. Austin, I know Willie Green is a part of Phoenix's system over there and obviously when the team is succeeding the way phoenix is we'll talk about them a little bit more here later on in the show right you kind of start seeing these assistant coaches you saw this in indiana right where team does good performs above expectations let's start chipping away at that coaching tree a little bit willie right. green's been linked here and a couple other places austin I'm, I'm sure you remember watching him play he's he was in the league for a little while i do what are I your do. thoughts of seeing willie green being in circulation for a coaching opportunity I mean, it makes sense. It's a copycat league. As soon as one, as soon as some team takes off and has a good couple of years, it's like, oh, we need all their assistance. And it, it doesn't really work with the whole Belichick coaching tree in football. It hasn't really worked too well in, in the NBA up to this point. I mean, it has to an extent, 
Mm-hmm. Budenholzer's in the finals now. He comes from the you know Popovich, so I guess you could say that's there. And then obviously the Nick Nurse coaching tree didn't get off to a very good start. <laughs> they, they didn't plant their root deep enough or, or whatever they were for that coaching tree because uh, that was just bizarre. Like mm-hmm. I just still can't wrap my head around the fact that they went like he's been a known commodity and a, a coaching prospect for so long. He's won at every level and nobody ever noticed that, hey, players don't really like him all that much. Mm-hmm. Like, or maybe it just never, maybe it's just so different being an assistant to being a head coach. I don't really know the dynamic too well in the NBA. Maybe that's what it is. As soon as he took over, he just, he either had a power trip or didn't know how to, didn't know how to handle people. But, uh, the, the coaching tree thing, it's, it's not surprising to me. It's like I said, as soon as something starts to work, everybody does it. So I just kind of expected. No doubt about it. All right, Austin. So we'll roll into another one. And this one. There was a little bit of tea leaves out there. You know, Damian Lillard did an article with his buddy, uh, you know, Chris Haynes at Yahoo Sports. And there were rumors that Terry Stotts might be on the chopping block. I went ahead and put that on my article as well because it really was because Dame actually came out after the article and said that he didn't really have anything to do with it. He liked Terry Scott, excuse me, Terry Stotts, this, that, and the other thing. Mm-hmm. I still put him on there. And then we see in June, you know, he gets fired. And then one of our favorite candidates that has been around for a while. Chauncey Billups ends up getting that job. What did you think about Terry Stotts end up getting released and then being replaced by Chauncey Billups? Well, as soon as I found out that he'd been there for nine years, I I felt like, why is he still there? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, not that he's done a bad job. He has had some success, but I, you know me, I'm, I'm of the mindset, like give it three, four years. And if it's not working and you're not seeing steady improvement, like why not try something else? Cause we know what we've got here. Mm-hmm. And Stotts, was was probably not really the the problem it's just the the roster is is unbalanced they've got two undersized guards that have to play a lot have the ball all the time that don't defend real well and they were you know they tried to to build a a roster around those guys that were with defensive minded players i mean robert covington was really good on defense a few years ago but they they were like the second worst defense ever this Mm -hmm. season so it just, it was, the writing was on the wall. I think I figured Stotts was going to be gone. The What was really intriguing though, and I want to get your thoughts on this, is when uh, Dame came out and said he put his support behind Jason Kidd, like right off the bat, so loud and, and proud about it, which was just interesting because to me, I feel like Jason Kidd hasn't really won anything as a coach yet or done all that great. So I, I, I mean, I get why you would want a point guard to, to be your head coach, but Ultimately, I think he'll be happy in the long run that he got Chauncey Billups and not Jason Kidd. Well, yeah, I mean, think about this, too. Chauncey Billups is similar to Damian Lillard in a lot of ways. He's he's he was a really respected and, you know, an NBA champion at one point, not saying that Dame was. But I'm saying that when you think of the best in the NBA, sometimes it feels like Damian Lillard slighted a little bit. Right. So you have to worry about whether or not. Uh, you know, Jason Kidd's considered one of the best point guards of his era, was never forgotten about or lost in the shuffle, you know. Right. So you you bring in Jason Kidd, it's almost as if the coach was better at the position than than the player, you know what I mean? So there's that dynamic. Yeah. I feel like Damian Lillard and Chauncey Billups both kind of have that underdog us against the world mentality. Uh, they 
love taking the big, I mean, Chauncey Billups is Mr. Big Shot, right? Like that was the nickname that he established for himself in the NBA, especially Detroit. Now he comes over, he's well-connected in the league. He's well-respected in the league. I don't think that Damian Lillard is upset that, oh no, we are stuck with Chauncey Billups now. You know, whether or not he wanted Jason Kidd, he has to be happy with the guy that he has because I feel like he can relate to Chauncey Billups a little bit better as far as, where he is in his career compared to where Chauncey Billup was in his, you know, kind of being a little um, underrated, so to speak. Now he can relate to his coach a little bit better. Whereas Jason Kidd, we've seen him in three different jobs. The most success he's had as a coach was as an assistant with the Lakers last season. So we would like to think that Jason Kidd could do a little bit better. We'll talk about him more later on. But I I think that Damian Lillard has to look at Chauncey Billups and be pretty excited for that opportunity to learn underneath him. Yeah, definitely. You know, you you brought up an awesome point that I didn't even think about. Like when I think of guys in the NBA who have to like fight and claw for every bit of like respect and notoriety and have definitely earned it. I think of Damian Lillard in terms of active players and that's Mm -hmm. exactly how I would describe Chauncey Billups when he played. Like he was, he was never at any point in his career talked about very much as even like a top 10 point guard in the league. He Mm -hmm. definitely, in my eyes, there were several seasons where he were, he was obviously I, I would say active at least. And, and, but he did, he was, he went to Colorado, which is not a basketball school. He just was kind of always, you know, just off in the shadows a little bit, not, not forgotten about, but not like the main character. And yep. I, I think there's definitely going to be some, some ability between those two to connect on that. And Jason Kidd, I think has, like you said, he's kind of always been in the spotlight. Like he's almost bigger than the job where he goes somewhere. Like his name almost means more than the the coaching position, which I, I don't really think works too well. And hopefully this time as an assistant has helped because he went right into head coaching jobs right yeah. out of playing and has had no experience on the bench, like actually learning how to be a coach. Yeah. He, he was an extension of the coach as a point guard, but it's still different and it obviously oh, yeah. didn't work out for him at first. And Chauncey Billups has definitely does not have a lack of experience on the bench. That's for sure. He's been in just about every role you can be in. He worked for ESPN. He's been assistant coach. He's been all over the place. And, so I think it's going to work out well for them. I, I ultimately just don't really – I'm not too impressed with Jason Kidd all that altogether. So I think they made a good move with Chauncey Billups. I, I was, I've was i been waiting for him to get his opportunity. I'm glad he did. Yeah, same, same as me. And, we'll, and another guy that I'm looking forward to see if he lands somewhere is Sam Cassell because I feel like he can do similar things as a Chauncey Billups in the NBA as a coach. But um, we'll move on now. Now, this is an interesting one, Austin. This isn't really technically a a firing, so to speak. It's really a promotion, but I feel like being removed from the spot that you need to be in kind of qualifies a little bit. And just to go ahead and, you know, go full bore with this, Brad Stevens, he was promoted to be the president of basketball operation, uh, replacing your favorite GM in the league, Danny Ainge. Um, How did you feel about seeing that? I feel like this is going to be kind of your I told you so moment, Austin. Well, it, there was a firing. It just wasn't the coach. It was the, the GM who <laughs> supposedly retired. I'm sorry. He didn't retire. Mm-hmm. He quit. Either he either gave up because he was scared or they they gave him the boot and were nice enough to let him say he was retiring. I think this this is just such a perfect example of how perception can be so different from like the actual NBA 
like players versus everyone else around it. Because mm-hmm. all you heard about Danny Ainge his whole entire time there was how he was one of the best GMs in the league. They even said it after he quit, after he retired on the NBA radio, called him one of the top shot callers in the NBA. And then like the next day, a report came out that none of his players trusted him. No one liked playing for him. And they all thought he was shady. And I, I mean, they, they probably think that a little bit about every GM that tries to trade sure. him, you know. If somebody if somebody looked at me and said, "Hey, you know what? We like you, but we don't like you as much as this guy," I'd be, I, you know, I would hurt my feelings <laughs> a little bit too. Sure, but uh, Brad Stevens had to have gotten. I I should have seen this coming a little bit better than I did because who turns down a hundred million dollar contract at their dream job mm-hmm. to to for at the time no real reason other than he just didn't want to didn't want to take the job. I had to should have seen something was coming. So obviously, I think there was an agreement there that he was going to take this job. Um, he he has the demeanor of a front office guy. I think I think he he comes off as somebody that's you know very analytical and you know thinks about the game constantly. He's very very his basketball IQ and everybody knows is like through the roof. So I think he'll I think he'll do great in this position. Um, Udoka is another guy that we've ta- you and I have talked about before for. for mm-hmm several head coaching jobs and it's about time he finally got a chance and it's nice to see so far we have had some you know new blood so up to this point with these coaching positions that it looks like we're going to be getting which i always like you know i'm not necessarily too big of a believer in you know we're going to take a guy that's never won a title put him with a to lead a team of guys that have never won a title and now we're going to win a title so it's just like why not try something new? You never know. This guy might be amazing. I didn't know, know who Nick Nurse was two or three years ago, and now <laughs> he's like a household name around the NBA. So I, I like all of it. I'm glad Danny Ainge is gone. He wasted all those draft picks for years and years. Everybody with two eyes and a, that's ever watched basketball knew Jason Tatum was going to be a star. That wasn't a that wasn't this amazing deal everybody made it out to be. Yeah, it looked great because Markel Fultz wasn't really what he didn't pan out but i mean anybody could have made that that move and got that extra pick and then what they what they do with it you know it's just what do they do with all these picks they got jalen brown jason tatum and then they kind of just okay that's enough it's it's never enough you know you never can just sit back and that's what he did for a long time he didn't use any of his any of his you know assets in that war chest to try to improve the team and then the one time he did he got got you know, he finally had an opportunity. He was going to get Miles Turner, and he just pushed too hard because it, I, I guess he really believed that Hayward was only going to go to Indiana. And it just, I don't know. I won't rant too much more about Danny. <laughs> but I'm excited for Brad Stevens. He's an Indiana guy. You know, he went to, he was Butler's coach. I live 20, 25 minutes away from where they play. So I'm excited to see him in his new role. I think he'll be good. I think he, I think he, they picked a pretty good coach too. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of Ime Udoka. You know, he coached alongside, you know, Greg Popovich, Doc Rivers. So a couple of high profile names in the coaching industry. And we're getting to see him get his first shake at, at, at being able to be a head coach. And, you know, he's kind of one of these unsung heroes a little bit when he was a player. He just kind of come off the bench, was a, you know, stand in the corner three point shooter, but really a, a really terrific defender. And I think that speaks to the talent level of a Boston Celtics roster right now. It's a little bit of Swiss Army knife on defense, stand around and hit a three. Hopefully they can do something to bring in some some quality bigs. And it looks like they did. One of the first moves that Brad Stevens did 
was agreed to a deal to trade Kimball Walker away to Oklahoma City and bring in Al Horford. And not only him, but a young Moses Brown who looks like he has a little bit of promise as a as a rebounder and a rim protector. Yeah, that's that's the key to me in this whole thing is the, is the Moses Brown pickup because I'm not 100% sure uh, Al Horford is the Al Horford of two or three years ago that they were going to give that giant contract to contract to to begin with mm-hmm. he's you know he's getting up there in age he hasn't he didn't play the entire second half of the season and i know he was with oklahoma city but he didn't really do much when he was on the court mm-hmm. and is he of the missing piece that gets them from a first round you know loss to the finals uh, absolutely not but jason tatum and, and jalen brown are already there and a little bit more consistency like you know just a tad bit more like less, I guess less terrible shooting nights from those guys. And (laughs) and all of a sudden the Celtics are really, really hard to beat because those two guys can absolutely win at, win a game against anybody and they can absolutely shoot their team completely out of it too. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see. I'm not, I'm not sure that they, they have a good enough roster with just Brown and Tatum as their two, you know, offensive guys to, that they rely on. So we're gonna they're gonna have to kind of reshape this roster, I think, a little bit. I hate to say it because he's one of my favorite guys, but I think Marcus Smart might be, you know, on the move at some point. That 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 breaks my heart. I hope not. I I like rooting for him, but I mean, if he goes to another team, I might have to show a little bit of love to them as well. All right, right, Austin. So here's a guy that, and I'm sorry for my Chris Collinsworth impression there. Now here's a guy that here's a guy (laughs) here guy that I wrote that might have a little bit of pressure. Looks like he's not going to have pressure now, but I did put a little caveat because, you know, one of the things that I've picked up in my time of podcasting and writing is you always build yourself a way out, Austin. You like to speak on this a lot. You always build yourself a way out. And here's what I said for one Mike Budenholzer. I said, pending a deep run, he might be in some trouble. What are we in the midst of now, Austin? It's a deep run by Mike Budenholzer. About as deep as it gets, isn't it? They're in the finals. Yeah, I mean, so what do you think about that, Austin? Do you think that he still could have a little bit of um, heat applied to him at the end of the season, say if they lose well, against Phoenix? So what happens if Phoenix just blows them out like they've pretty much done all the way through the playoffs to this point? They struggled a little bit for a game or two with the Clippers, but other than that, they they just hammered the the Lakers and the Nuggets. Like there was, It was honestly not even hard to watch the Lakers lose because it never felt like they were even in it. Even when mm-hmm. they, they were up, or even when it was 2-1, or and they won those couple games, and Anthony Davis was looking good, it was just like, I, I just didn't ever have this feeling like the Lakers were in it. The, the Suns were just in control. and it, It's like nothing I've ever seen before from a team that has almost no playoff experience outside of two guys, really. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, they go into the playoffs everybody's underestimating them and and lo and behold they're like the bullies of the of the playoffs they're the <laughs> they're the team taking it to everybody else and being aggressive and getting and shoving people around and, and starting you know those scrums and stuff which i think is good for them i think they needed that yeah so so what if they go in and, and just push around the, the the bucks and make them look bad like miami did it last year Do, is is it any better or is budenholzer still just the same guy and they just had a slightly better roster I don't know because Giannis being hurt, the Suns are pretty healthy. Usually this mm-hmm. time of year, the healthiest team wins. I think he's safe. I mean, he made it to the finals unless they just get swept and killed. I think he, <laughs> I think he's going to keep his job for at least one more year. But 
nothing would surprise me at this point anymore. You know, all of a sudden Nate McMillan can win, can win playoff games and Mike Boonholzer's in the finals. I, I don't know what to believe anymore. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you brought up my guy, Nate, we'll talk about him here in a little bit as well, but Mike Boonholzer, I feel like, I feel like he's safe at least for like a one more year. And it yeah. feels like that's been the saying with Mike Boonholzer. It feels like every season he does enough the following season to be like, okay, well, let's see what we got for the next year. Um, you know, pushing the team to the finals, even beating an Atlanta Hawks team, yes, they were kind of injury riddled themselves, still young and up and coming, probably, you know, overplaying overplaying what they probably should have done this year. I think that Mike has done enough to keep his seat a little bit cooled off. But like you said, Austin, if, if Giannis is healthy and they get the brake speed off of him, I think that that's it. But you know, it it would take it would take some fantastic play from Phoenix in my eyes in order to uh, get Mike Boonholzer kicked out. Absolutely, I, I don't see them completely shutting down Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. Like this team has shown everybody, me myself included, how talent, how good they really are. I mean, they won those last two games without Giannis. I know Trey Young was hurt too, but. Like they didn't really even miss a beat without him, and mm-hmm. I think this that might be good for them because if this is like that one hurdle that they have to get over in these playoffs, like this is that one, you know, oh the scare, this injury, and they got past it, that it, that might be you know the writing on the wall. It's like okay, it's you know we're on the home stretch here. A lot of times you see stuff like that in, in the playoffs when a team finally makes it to the finals, they they have like that one last mental hurdle almost to get over. And once they do, it's just home sailing. And I think on paper, they're still the better team. You know, if you look up and down the roster, it's close. It's a lot closer than I would have said it was when this playoff started because Devin Booker is doing his best Kobe Bryant impersonation and, and just not even really getting enough shine for what he's doing at all either because – I mean, 40, what, 47 points or something in the, or 40 points in the game seven against LeBron to close him out in round one. And he didn't even get like nominated for the M, the goofy article they wrote about the MVP <laughs> of the first round. Like they never even brought him up. And it's like the dude just had a 40 point triple double to beat LeBron in the first round for the first time ever. Like this dude's doing something special and he's not slowed down a, a bit. And so it's, it's going to be close. Uh, I, I, I think Budenholzer, did he do anything different this year? Yes. I think we talked about that a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, you and I had like a list of things we wanted to see from this team, and I think we've seen all of them. And yeah. I, I, I just I love the ball in Chris Middleton's hands more. I think that's the key. I think he's been terrific. I mean, for somebody that everybody argues about whether or not he's an all-star, he sure puts up some incredible numbers in the, in the playoffs and has for two or three years now. So I don't know where, where the questions about him are coming from, but – uh, he he's really been impressive. Milwaukee's been impressive. Atlanta was really impressive. I I even said I'm done betting against Trey Young, and then he got hurt, and that was the only way it was they were going to stop him. I feel like this year because he was just he was on fire. And how excited are you for the future of the NBA? That's one thing I wanted to ask you since you haven't been here. I mean, look oh, at all man. these young guys <laughs> that are just blowing up. It, it, it's. It's definitely something that I'm one. I'm sad that I got to miss a lot of these guys take the next step. And these are guys, Austin, that we've been talking about, you know, for the little over a year that we've been doing this together is we're, we project out and we see and we try to extrapolate into the future a little bit what they're doing in the present. And that's why I don't like when people bring up, you know, hey, what has this player done ever? You know, well, a lot of these young guys, it's not about what they 
haven't been able to do yet because they're still trying to find themselves. You know what I mean? They're still trying to establish themselves in an NBA for one that already had, uh, you know, a, a whole lot of just established NBA talent already. Now they're trying to insert themselves. It takes a little bit of time to be able to overcome your Steph Curry's, your LeBron James's, your Kawhi Leonard's, and so forth. Now we see a Trey Young where I had him nominated as an All Star. I got peer pressured into taking him off of my All NBA team. At the end of the day, that's my decision. But I was like, okay, everybody's kind of talking against him. I saw it though. I saw that Trey Young is already at that level. And it's just one of those things to where you can't hold on to what a young guy hasn't done yet because you need to give him time to be able to do it. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure I'm the one that you're talking about with that peer pressuring you to take him off the list. It was you and Pat. It was you and Pat. I have to eat some crow here for sure on this episode because I wasn't a real big believer in him or Devin Booker, and they obviously have proven me wrong. Um, I think those two are have kind of vaulted themselves into that, you know, new face of the league conversation with Luca and whoever else you want to put in there. Um, but you know, Luca hasn't still yet to win a, a playoff series, and Trey Young went to the Eastern Conference Finals and never once backed down from a single challenge. I, when the moment in like this first or second game against the Knicks, when he hit a big shot and, and then like turned and looked at the crowd and started just egging him on, I was like, oh, I'm in love with this guy. Like he's my guy. <laughs> like, I never know. I never knew. I never knew that's, that was Trey Young's game. Like I knew he was good. I knew mm-hmm. he was confident, but the dude is fearless and he can just, he just, he just blew me away. Um, this, this whole entire playoffs has been awesome, you know, bar my Lakers getting, getting beat so early, but at least they bowed out early. It seems like all the, the old guard, so to speak, has kind of either gotten hurt or had a rough year and, and has gotten knocked out. And it's, it's kind of time for some new blood to come in and, and we'll crown an NBA champion that hasn't been one Has the Suns ever won a title. Suns never have. They've been no. in the finals a couple times, but we we have, have seen the Bucks have won once with you know yeah. one of the guys who never gets talked about for greatest all time and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and then the forgotten point guard, you know, Big O Oscar Robertson. So right. a lot of good players circulating through Milwaukee. But Austin, back to the coaching discussion here. Yes, one one that I that I saw, and I think a lot of people did see, but this isn't a an organization that gets a lot of media attention anyway which is why I wanted to put them in this article, and that was Steve Clifford. I had him on the red scale, which is the highest that a coach can get. The remaining three that we're going to talk about, including Steve Clifford, did fall into that red scale of uh, you know, seat level or hot seat indicator level mm-hmm. thing. I forgot how I phrased it, but you know what I'm saying when I'm saying yeah. it. Um, it didn't make sense for Steve Clifford to be a part of an obvious rebuild. When we started seeing them trade Nikola Vucevic, Evan Fournier, so on and so forth, Aaron Gordon... Um, it didn't make sense for Steve Clifford to kind of be the guy on this team because Steve Clifford, I don't think, knows how to lose on purpose. Now, granted, he hasn't always had the most talented teams, but mm-hmm. I feel like on a smaller scale of a Nate McMillan, he gets the best out of what he has. And you don't have a guy like a Steve Clifford when you're obviously trying to rebuild. You want your draft picks to mean something a little bit, right? Um, Wes Unsell Jr., a guy I know that you're super high on. I know that you always bring him up Mm -hmm. when there's a coaching availability. He seems to be one of the leading candidates for this job, um, along with Becky Hammond and, yes, again, Willie Green. So what did you think of the Clifford um, dismissal? It it sounded like they mutually agreed to part ways. It was like Steve saying, I'm going to let you know right now, 
I don't coach to lose. And this is a roster that it seems like you want me to coach to lose so you can get high draft picks. What did you think of this whole scenario? I mean, they did right by him by, you know, getting rid of him, letting him go because he, he absolutely didn't want to be part of a rebuild. I think he came out and said it. They, they knew that they, it was pretty mutual, the agreement. So I think all that went about according to plan. Um, that being said, Orlando is finally giving up on this seventh, eighth seed in the East every year without a real, you know, star or direction. Like we, they said, we got to tear this down. I don't care if we got a bunch of guys that are hurt that we think are going to be good. We've got to get a star. They still don't have a household name. They haven't had one since really like a big time household name since Dwight Howard. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's, it's hard to win in the NBA like the Mavericks did in 2011. And they had a big time guy with Dirk, you know, this yeah. team has ne- never had anything close to that in the last, you know, eight, 10 years. So it, I, then I think it was too, it was probably a little bit disappointing that they fell out of the top four and, and ended up with the fifth pick and the eighth pick, but it's still, it's a deep draft. I think they're going to, they're fine. Their guy, Wes Unsel jr. You know how I feel about him. I think he's a, a great coach. We've seen what he's done. I was kind of holding out hope that Denver would fire their coach, but then, uh, Murray got hurt, and I think that kind of gave him a little bit of a reprieve because nobody really expected them to, to be able to make it to the finals or anything without him. Right. That being said, I did I did think he would be a perfect fit for Denver, but a, a great opportunity to take a team and kind of mold them into what he wants them to be because they're not going to have a whole lot outside of like Markel Fultz and and uh, Jonathan Isaac. That Terrence Ross is still there. I too. Yeah, and let's not forget the rookies that they have Cole. They have Cole Anthony, and then they made that trade to bring in RJ Hampton, who right. I, I like a lot. I like RJ. So they got a couple young guys that may do a little something. Right, but I mean, they don't have what I'm. What I meant was they're not dealing with a team where he's coming in and the team's already pretty well established. He Correct. can kind of put his own stamp on it, which I think is is good is a good opportunity for him. Um, you know, I'm just looking at your notes here. There's one other thing that I, I definitely like that you put on here. I, I hope Becky Hammond gets a job. I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm tired of the people saying that who say that just because she's a woman that um, like the men of the NBA won't listen to her. They've obvious people that say that have obviously never been around people that are like insane about being successful at what they do. Because mm-hmm. when you're when you were dying to be the best, you will listen to anybody that you feel can help you regardless of who they are. And I think that's how it's been with her, her entire time in the NBA. I don't think she has any problem gaining respect from anybody where anywhere she goes. So I, I would love to see her get a job and, and this Orlando spot might be perfect for, her. you know, a young team that, you know, she can come in and kind of like exactly like Wes Unsold, just put her, put her stamp on it. So we'll, we'll see where they, where they go with that. I'd be happy with either one of them. Um, I actually just wrote an article about how I, I personally, and, I could, didn't figure out any way to like actually like quantify this, but I do think that this season is probably like one of, if not the best seasons for head coaching positions, like mm-hmm. opening. Just look at who's the guys that you could be getting a coach. Zion, Luca, Damian Lillard, possibly Giannis. This is the only team that didn't really have, you know, multiple all-stars or a absolute superstar on it. So this one was kind of interesting to me because it is the only real rebuild this year, I would say, of all the teams that are getting new coaches. So it's it's going to be interesting to see which way they go. But at this point, I just think they've got to kind of get their whoever they think is best and focus on the draft. 
Yeah, I mean, and that's the way that you got to go. And even though this team doesn't have that household name, Austin, they still have young players mm -hmm. that you can. And again, two top 10 draft picks in this year's draft. That's going to be right. pretty daggum good. I mean, yeah, you get yeah. you got a, a number of players that you can build upon. So, Austin, your guy, Russell Westbrook, right? Your guy, Russell Westbrook, mm -hmm. his longtime, you know, close friend and coach Scott Brooks. Now, this time they were playing together in D.C., um, Scott Brooks got the boot and I don't think that that was a surprise. I did put that in the article, but I feel like a lot of people were looking to try to excuse Scott Brooks for the previous seasons solely based on this year. Were you surprised to see Scott Brooks let go early on in June? And, um, also he's being interviewed potentially to go be a Los Angeles Lakers assistant coach now. So, I mean, building yeah. that super coaching staff again in LA, what do you think about all this? Hey, it worked last year. Maybe Frank Vogel just needs as many head coaching voices to help him as he can get. Cause mm -hmm. you know, it's probably hard to probably hard to out coach LeBron, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, but I don't know. I, I'm not a big Scott Brooks fan. I mean, he's had, some incredibly talented teams and not not much to show for it. One finals appearance with that with that uh, team in Oklahoma City, and they were they were young and not ready to be there. And Miami blew them out, and then they gave up the three one lead that year to the the Warriors. And then let's not forget before Russ went nuts and had what forty triple doubles in like two months, uh, yeah. they couldn't win a game. <laughs> They couldn't do anything. He had he had the leading scorer in the NBA, and they were by far the worst team until Russ just went off. So, you know, maybe it was an instance where he was trying to save his, his old coach buddy's job. I don't know. Didn't work. I'm glad it didn't work. Uh, I'd like to see some, any one of these names you have on this list. Darvin Ham's another guy that we didn't get we didn't mention yet that I really like. Yeah. Sam Cassell. Ronald Norred, there's a there's a name I haven't heard a whole lot. I like that. Yep, I, I think he's going to be a good coach. Chris Quinn too. Those are guys I remember their playing days in college, and they just looked like coaches on the floor. So mm -hmm. uh, it's uh it'll be fun because who doesn't want a chance to coach Russell Westbrook and like a guy that can drop fifty on you in a half at any given moment? Like they can absolutely light it up. They scored the ball so fast, so much the last year. They just couldn't defend anybody. And when Russ wasn't, you know, dropping 20, 20, 20 games, they couldn't really beat anybody. But I don't know. It's a weird situation because those guys definitely have never won anything, have never really been successful, either of them. And it hasn't worked together up to this point, really. Like, it was a cool story that they made that plan and that they almost got in because of what Russ was doing. But, like, ultimately, if if, if you want me to get excited about a, a coaching job, like I need more than, oh, we had like one of the greatest half seasons by one guy in NBA history and we still made the 10th seed. So, you know, I just, I don't know. It's, it's, they're in the middle. I'm not too high on that coaching spot, but I also do feel like it's, it's intriguing because of those two guys. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I, I agree with you. I don't want to spend too much time on this because I feel like, this has been something that you kind of needed to see happen maybe a year or two yeah. prior to, but you know, you, you do like the story of, Oh, you know, because look at what we're seeing right now with Phoenix, you know, you linked mm -hmm. up Chris Paul and Monty Williams, you know, these were the coach and the rookie back when they were in new Orleans together. And look what you right. see here. You may be trying to hope that you at least see a playoff appearance with these guys, but you know, ultimately it, it just didn't really work out. Yeah. Now here's, here's one Austin that, 
I, for the life of me, Sacramento, no matter what the executives that they change, it just seems like they are just going to be the Kings no matter what. Now, what surprises me about that, about this situation, Austin, not even so much that the Sacramento Kings are deciding to hold on to Luke Walton, who I think is the worst coach in the NBA question mark, um, is the fact that he's getting support from his two best players in De'Aaron Fox and our favorite rookie out of this draft class, Tyrese Halliburton. What do you think about this? Well, maybe it's maybe the the rumors of his demise are are greater than we think. Maybe it's just that he he understands this younger these younger players. Maybe he he can communicate with them better. And having LeBron on his team, maybe what killed maybe what killed his coaching you know ability and his voice in that locker room in in Los Angeles. I haven't seen much to make me think that that's true. But it, you got to think if these guys are that that behind him that. He's he's doing something right. I mean, we went from the beginning of the year where his best player wouldn't even answer his phone calls mm-hmm. to now like the other two star, like, you know, quote unquote stars of this team are are fighting to keep him there. And w- with a guy like Kenny Atkinson as a as an assistant coach that's known for player development, that has done a great job taking young, talented guys and getting and turning them into pros. Like you would have to think that's exactly what Sacramento needs. They need a, a guy that can that can take this talent, this hodgepodge of of athletes and talent that they have, and, and turn it into a you know a real basketball team. And they did a good job in the draft. They didn't have the best season, but it wasn't as terrible by their standards. And it just seems it's just weird. I don't I don't have a clue why they wouldn't go at least kick the tires on some of the all these coaches that are available. Luke Walton belongs in college, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, I'm glad that he didn't get the Arizona job, but I felt like that's where he was probably best at. You know, like you said, put it, put him in the Western, you know, the Pac-12, where his dad can call his games and he can coach the games and he can get, you know, commits to a school because he's Luke Walton. He was associated with, you know, the best record in the NBA ever with the Golden State Warriors. And he was a pretty decent college basketball player as well, right? So, I don't know. I feel like his realm is college. I don't, I don't know why Sacramento, on other than the fact that he's got his players standing up for him, which does mean a lot, right? Um, yeah. Ultimately, though, I don't know why um, Sacramento just refuses to not be the Sacramento Kings. Maybe Luke Walton and the Kings do something to make us eat our words a little bit. I don't see it, though, man. Like I don't look at him and see anything that makes me feel that he's going to do anything. And we have um, one of our buddies his elite plays says sons and four um we'll talk about that here in a little bit their elite plays but austin let's roll into the all nba teams and we'll just we'll just breeze right over this because in in may i kind of projected who my all nba teams were going to be i'm happy to report that i got two-thirds of them correct i want to know what the heck happened in the second you know when in the couple of the months that i missed um to where Five of these guys out of nowhere, Austin, just vault themselves up into all NBA level caliber well, considerations, right? Um, yeah. The five guys that I want to discuss are Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, Paul George, Jimmy Butler, and Kyrie Irving. Like, how are these guys all NBA players, Austin? I guess number of games played was exaggerated and how much it mattered, or mm-hmm. we took, put too much stock in it. That's the only thing I can think of because. Every guy on that list missed significant time, like a significant time. Mm-hmm. And 
to the point where it, it derailed a couple of their seasons. And I think a lot of it is just voters were afraid to not vote for LeBron James in the first for him. I think that's definitely why he's in there because he's LeBron James and nobody can wrap their head around the fact that, Hey, for one season he got hurt and he wasn't LeBron James, you know, but he's still, that doesn't mean that he's not amazing and he's not sure. Sure. And kind of the same thing with Kawhi and Paul George, apparently Paul apparently load management didn't negatively affect their standing as much as we thought it did. And it may just be something where everybody missed so much time outside of like two or three guys that they just said, you know, who who's the best, who who had the best year while they were on the court. And, and you could make an argument for these guys that they they were good while they were out there. They were terrific while they were out there. They just weren't out there very much. That's the thing is that they weren't out there, Austin. And yeah. real quick, so correct me if I'm wrong, but it's media that votes these players in, correct? It's yes. media and yeah, high basically people who have the audience's ear or, you know, the masses ear where they can kind of, they can influence the way certain people think about the game of basketball. And here's my problem with this, Austin, is that if the media is going to be voting in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and now Kyrie Irving and, and LeBron James and Jimmy Butler, all guys who miss time, stop talking about the missing time now. You right. can't do that. You can't have your cake and eat it too. If you're going to put these guys in, I don't want to hear or see any news circulation that, oh, well, this guy's always sitting out. Stop voting him to be an all-NBA player. You have mm-hmm. to stop doing that then. If missing if missing games didn't matter for the all-NBA teams, then why did it matter for the MVP award? Why was everybody talking about how Jan, or, uh, Jokic only was even there because of everybody else miss, missed time? But then on the, on the other hand, Everybody missed time, but they still get to make the All-NBA team, which the All-NBA team can have a, a legitimate effect on your contract and on your mm-hmm. how much money you make and how much your team has to pay you. And it has it, there's ramifications to these things that it's not just like a, you know, a throwaway thing. And I don't know. There's just no con- there's no uniformity to anything in the, in the voting for any of these awards, it seems like. And it's it the writing was on the wall when we did that show about how the, all the weird where players could qualify for whatever position and other players couldn't. I mean, it was obvious right then that the NBA had an agenda of who they wanted to get on these teams so they could fit them in however they needed to. Because otherwise there'd be no reason to even come out and say it. They would just allow it and it would be done, but they made a big deal out of it for some reason. And I, and it was pretty obvious that there's, there were guys that, I don't know if it's just their big household names and they have that much pull or, or need their ego, you know, stroked that much or what, but it just, it, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense on one hand to, to penalize guys for missing time for one thing, but not the other when they're pretty, pretty similar. I mean, the MVP is obviously a one person thing and it's a little bit more, you know, exclusive, but being first team all NBA is a pretty big deal. So mm-hmm. it's just, it was weird to me. Yeah, absolutely. And so I just want to gloss over who I had on the third team, second team, first team, and who actually made it. So on the third team, um, Russell Westbrook. I had Trey Young here, but again, I gave in to peer pressure. So um, Russell Westbrook, Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker, Julius Randle, and Rudy Gobert, who actually made the third team was Kyrie Irving, Bradley Bill, Jimmy Butler, Paul George, and Rudy Gobert. So a lot of the three of the three of the five guys that I had questions about how they made teams made the third team, right? So my second team, I had Chris Paul, Bradley Bill, Jason Tatum, who didn't make it at all. 
Zion Williamson, who didn't make it at all, and Joel Embiid, who actually made it, was Chris Paul, Damian Lillard, LeBron James, Julius Randle, and Joel Embiid. My first team was Damian Lillard, Steph Curry, Luka, Giannis, and Nikola, who actually made it. All of those guys, with the exception of Damian Lillard, who was on the second team, and then Kawhi Leonard jumped all the way in the first team. So that's what I had happen. That's what actually happened. Austin, again, two-thirds of the players I had right, but there's a whole starting five of guys that I didn't felt like should have deserved. I didn't know if they just went nuts in the, what, two months that I was on. No, no, not really. I mean, the Clippers tried to lose to avoid having to play the Lakers in the playoffs, and then it never even came to that. They, that's why they, they fell to fourth, so they wouldn't have to play, or fourth or fifth, wherever they were, so they didn't have to play the Lakers until the finals, and that didn't even matter. Uh, Miami couldn't do anything even with Jimmy Butler, and especially not in the playoffs. Um, Kyrie was really good. Um while he was there, but Kyrie's Kyrie. He's polarizing no matter what he does. He's probably one of the greatest people, like actual people in the NBA, but he's going to be hated on forever because he missed a couple games for personal reasons. So whatever. And then Kawhi Leonard, I, I don't really know what to say about Kawhi Leonard other than he was when he, he, before he got hurt, right before you got back, I was starting to see 2019 Kawhi Leonard, you know, mm-hmm. Toronto Kawhi Leonard, where he was getting ready to take over. And then it I saw that piece that you wrote on him. Yeah. Yeah. I, he was, it, that was bad timing because that thing came out literally like 10 minutes later. The report came out that he was like done. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> but he, he was doing really, really good. And I, I could say he probably deserved to be there if he played, you know, a handful more games. And you got to give Jimmy Butler credit too. He did have statistically his best season. You know, as an NBA player, I would say, but he's missed a lot of time. And to me, this the whole thing that makes this a joke is Dame Lillard was probably to me one of the two biggest locks for the first team. Mm-hmm. I would say him and Jokic, I thought were the two biggest locks in my mind to make the first team just because of what how good of a season he had. Like, what more does he have to do? And then Russell Westbrook not even making a team at all, like after what he did, I mean, like historic things, putting up numbers that you, you'll never see again. I mean, you you might you might because we said that about Oscar Robertson and, and here came Russ. But Russ is on a whole other level. Look at how long that took, though. Look yeah. at how long that took. Right. But Russ is, even took it to a whole other level than he did. So he's doing things that we that we never imagined possible, and we've said that before, and we acknowledge it, and then we don't even vote him on the third team. Like, that to me was weird. I don't know who I'd take off. I, I guess one of these five guys that missed too much time. But if you're not counting time missed as a as a negative, then I don't know who you would take off to put him on there. But he's got to be on there. It's just it to me the, this whole thing is is almost like a popularity contest anymore. They got to get the big names on each team, and that's mm-hmm. that's what seems to be important to them. So I don't I don't know. I don't like the way it, the way it shook out. Yeah, for sure. So. It also might be one of the things where sponsors might have a say in this, and it's probably not something that NBA wants to put out there to make it feel like they're getting a little bit of heat from from the sponsors that they have there. And Austin, I would just real quick like to put in the fact that I know that you feel the same way, but we collectively have gotten a little bit of heat for our thoughts and our feelings on who I think is a great, 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 great NBA head coach. In Nate McMillan. Right. I have defended this man on countless interactions that I've had with people that we talk to, you know, on and off 
uh, off the air here on the Breaking the Game show here on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. Uh, Nate McMillan is an outstanding coach, and we see what happens whenever he's not playing a team that's just destined to take over and win the NBA Finals. His team actually made the Eastern Conference Finals, and he wasn't even the coach the full season. This was a team, Austin, that might not have even made the playoffs had Nate McMillan not come over to be the interim head coach. And now they they were barely on the threshold of making an NBA Finals appearance, Austin. Just yeah. pat yourself on the back real quick. Talk to us a little bit about Nate McMillan here. Well, so it's interesting. It's perfect Pacers, you know, it's perfect for the Pacers to do this. So what do they do? They fire Nate McMillan for whatever reason and making the playoffs every year with a, with a mass unit of, of guys, half the team on the, on the injured list all year long, losing your best player year after year after year to injuries and still making the playoffs every time, still being an underdog, not being projected to win and losing. And what do you expect from him? Oh, we're, we're going to fire this guy that made the playoffs every year he was here. And then they bring in a guy that's just a complete dumpster fire train wreck. It doesn't work <laughs> at all. So then what do they do a, a little while later after just everything is the dust is all starting to settle? They go and they sign the guy that Nate McMillan took over for and just completely like showed up as the coach to be their head assistant coach for their for Rick Carlisle. I don't know what they're doing, but Nate McMillan is obviously one of the better NBA coaches that, that we have. And he has, he's been around forever and there's good reason for it. He's been coaching over 20 years. Mm -hmm. He's we've talked about it ad nauseum here. He's hardly ever lost to a team that he was supposed to beat in the playoffs. He's hardly ever had a better team than their opponent that he lost to. And he lost to like all time, great teams for the first decade that he was in, in the league. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, he had a little trouble with Miami who just went to the finals last year Everybody had trouble with Miami in the bubble for whatever reason. And they were hurt every year. So Nate's, Nate's been unreal in Atlanta. I mean, they were a completely different team from where they were with, with Lloyd Pierce. It went from John Collins and Trey Young couldn't play together to, like, you don't hear about that at all anymore. They look like they're, they get along fine and they play together well. And, I mean, a lot of it's just Trey Young is just transcendent, I think, and I didn't really realize it until it was almost too late. But I think it took Nate McMillan being being his coach to kind of bring that out in him because he he puts him in the in the right spots. He puts the whole team in position to where they're going to succeed. And we're seeing all these young guys that, that Atlanta has have just blossomed. I mean, even Cam Reddish, who was hurt most of the years, had a couple big games at the end of the playoffs there. Yeah, that was in a losing effort, but he, he, he came back out there and he showed some people some things to be excited about. So... I think Nate, you can't say enough for what he's done. I'm fine. I'm so glad we finally don't have to joke about him not being able to win in the playoffs anymore because mm -hmm. it was it was getting old. No, hands down. So Austin, we're at the point of the show now to where we got to wrap up for the Nothing But yeah. Net channel here on Dash Radio. Um, we're going to continue a little bit um, on just a, a quick NBA preview, and that'll be all. But um, before we wrap up, though, Austin, I just want to say. Uh, Thank you for holding down the show. It was an honor and a pleasure to be able to link back up with you again. Um, super, super proud of the the work that you put in, bringing in guys like Chris, bringing in guys like Justin, uh, doing the super fan show. All great things, man. Thank you so much for holding it down. And I'm excited to be able to do some work with you again, man. 
hey, you know, there's there's a lot of duct tape and and chewing gum and loose string holding this thing together, but it, it's you'll find it. You you know where, where to look. But no, it was hard walk without you, man. But it it was actually kind of fun though too. I learned a lot about myself, and I I definitely honed some skills that I wouldn't have otherwise because I'm not gonna take over and run your run the show like you do and i don't just don't want to you're good at it it works well, for us you're good you're good at it as well man and there's a reason okay. why whenever we was looking for a co-host that where it was a non-question that i wanted you to be a part of it because i mean I, everyone is getting to see and listen to it while i was gone but um Thank real you. quick just um remind everybody go to manscape.com plug in promo code btg we'll hook you up with a 20 percent off discount and free shipping Use the right tools for the job. Your balls will thank you. Austin, I got the Manscaped 5.0 waiting for me after the show. I dude. might go mess around and see see how it works. But I'm uh, telling you, dude, we found out something even better about Manscaped. So you know how most companies, when they have like a promo code and then there's another sale, you can't combine the two things, two discounts. Our yeah, promo it's kind code, of a pain. Our promo code, BTG, simple, easy, three letters worked on even the specially priced Father's Day packages. You could take an additional 20% off off of all their sale prices already. So it's an even better deal. You know, Manscaped's always hooking everybody up. The stuff works like <laughs> that is my dad. That was pretty funny. Hi dad. Um, okay. Hi dad. <laughs> sure thing. I will. I I will definitely. We'll get we'll get going on that. <laughs> Yeah, we got um our good friends over at Manscaped should be able to hook that deal up. And but, I um, myself all the time and I've never connected this thing. Yep. Our good friends at Manscaped will be able to hook up Mr. Mr. Carr with uh, some ball trimmers here. But again, that's all the time that we have here on the show for today. Thank you everyone so much for tuning in. Um, for those who want to keep listening, we're going to do our real quick finals preview, discuss some things that we're paying attention to and looking out for. Please uh, just go check us out anywhere podcasts are available. Just go look up Breaking the Game. You'll see the little basketball hoop in the uh, microphone that you're watching here now if you're listening. That'll just let you know, man, that that's where we're at. So, Austin, let's wrap it up. We'll um, we'll wrap up here on the radio show, and we'll catch everyone on the podcast. Folks, subscribe to the podcast now. You don't want to miss it. Yep, go subscribe now. Hook us up with a five-star review, all the ratings and everything. They help us out so much. Thank you guys, everyone, for tuning in. We'll catch up with y'all next time. Much love, everybody. Have a good one. All right, now, Austin, we can continue on now with our podcast. Again, everyone who's catching up with us from the Nothing Manette channel on Dash Radio, checking us out on our podcast, thank you so much. We're still the same guys. We don't really do a whole heck of a lot different. We just let our hair down a little bit more, talk a little bit less off off script, a little bit more off the cuff. So, Austin, we have ourselves a super intriguing NBA finals between the Phoenix Suns and the Milwaukee Bucks. This is not what everyone had in mind when we came into this season. No, definitely not. It wasn't what, it wasn't what anybody had in mind, I would say. I... I I wasn't a fully a believer in Phoenix until the first round of the playoffs. Even when they were whoop, whipping everybody's butts all season long, it was just like, eh, yeah, it's the regular season. You know, things will change in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And they did. And what changed was Phoenix, like, took it up to another level and nobody else really seemed to be able to match it. Uh, DeAndre Ayton has been a, like, a, just a complete revelation in these playoffs. I mean, shot like 79% in round one against the Lakers. So he had his coming out party against Andre Drummond and Anthony Davis. 
and Mark Gasol. So, I mean, not, not many, much better, you know, company to do it against. And he, he didn't even really struggle. They couldn't even begin to slow him down. And all it was, is he simplified things. He caught the ball. He kept it up above his shoulders. He turned and he put it in, laid it up over the rim because he's just so big. Sounds easy. Seems like he kind of never really understood how big he was. That's, I think, what I heard from a lot of uh, Suns fans. Justin, the super fan that we actually brought onto the network of the Suns, said that that was the main issue that Suns fans had with him is that he just he never made the easy baskets that they, everyone saw were right there for him. And he's done that in these playoffs, and, that, and it's probably thanks to you know the veteran leadership that they have on this team. But I said it at the beginning of the playoffs. I wouldn't be surprised if we had a Clippers-Bucks finals, and we almost got it. But mm-hmm. I am a little surprised with the Suns Bucks finals. I thought the Bucks had a good chance. I, I really did. They'd been healthy all year. They looked good. They they did a lot. All the things that you and I said we wanted them to do. And anytime people listen to us, obviously it's going to be you know a positive. That's all thing, they right? got to do, man. If they just listen to what I have to say, every like there would be thirty NBA champions. I mean, it would be right. that simple. Absolutely. <laughs> so but, Austin, uh, we have the finals for sure. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be an awesome final. So the schedule is set. Game one's going to be Tuesday. That's tomorrow. You may be listening to this on the Nothing Minute channel that day. Um, it's going to be on the 6th at 9 p.m. at Phoenix. Game two is going to be Thursday, the 8th at Phoenix, also at 9 p.m. on ABC. Sunday on the 11th, it's going to shift over to Milwaukee. That's going to be an early game. That's going to be 8 p.m. And all these times are in Eastern, by the way. Um, in Milwaukee. Game four is going to be in Milwaukee as well. That's going to be at 9 p.m. Eastern. And then games five through seven, of course, this is if it's as necessary, if Phoenix doesn't sweep them. Game five is going to be Saturday, uh, July the 17th at 9 p.m. Tuesday, July 20th at 9 p.m. And Thursday, July 22nd at 9 p.m. All of this is obviously going to be aired on ABC. Um, Austin, some of the tales of the tape, you know, we're looking at two heavyweights here, so to speak, like, let's just use a boxing analogy here. Yeah. Um, both teams entered the NBA as expansion teams in 1968. How cool is that, Austin? That is cool. I knew they were both expansion teams. I didn't know they were the same year though. And, and I honestly didn't know that Phoenix, the Phoenix Suns has been around that long. I thought they were, they came along a little bit later than that. So that was interesting. Yeah. And how about this, Austin? They have played 146 regular season games. Phoenix holds the advantage of their all-time matchups, seventy-five to seventy-one. That's pretty. Wow. That's pretty close when you consider how long they've been against each other. Yeah, that's that's pretty split evenly. That's that's incredible. This is going to be fun for sure. And now, it, how that, about that's that's crazy? Wow. How about this, Austin? Milwaukee actually used to be in the Western Conference, and they actually have a little bit of playoff experience. This was back when the format was different, but Milwaukee beat. Phoenix in the Western Conference playoff two to zero in the first round in 1978. So they actually have a little bit of playoff history with each other, considering that they're both in opposite opposite conferences now. Huh? Well, yeah, that definitely wouldn't happen this year if it was uh, just the first to two games, because I feel like Phoenix has blitzed everybody they've played coming out of the gate. So glad it's four. Glad you got to win four. So yeah, for sure, for sure. And then we also talked about man. Milwaukee, they entered the league in 1968. They won a ring in 1971. So pretty young in their expansion, um, you know, infancy, so to speak. Mm-hmm. They won their only championship in 1971. Again, Phoenix has made a couple finals appearances, mostly in the 90s where they, you know, they lost against uh, 
you know, Michael Jordan. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of him. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah that, one of only two guys that might be for a while. Yeah. I mean, he's one of only two guys that might actually have a better career than LeBron James that no one really ever seemed to talk about anymore. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. So, Austin, I have a couple of things that I think that people should be focusing on here in this matchup. Now, you've been paying attention to this playoffs more than me, obviously, due to your availability. See see if I have my finger on the pulse here, though. So, Giannis's health, that's going to be a big factor, yes? Absolutely. Yep, so he's reportedly going to be day-to-day, suffered a hyperextended left knee against Atlanta. The report is that there was no structural damage, and if needed, he would have been available for a Game 7 against Atlanta. Are you expecting him to play against Phoenix? Absolutely. I, I think he's going to be raring to go. I think there's no way they can hold him out, especially after they came out and said there was no real structural damage, which if you didn't see the injury or the replay, it, that's hard to believe because it looked pretty nasty when it happened. So uh, we got lucky that we kind of dotted a big bullet there and lost him completely. So hopefully, hopefully that, you know, because of all that, I think there's no way they keep him out unless, unless they're just lying to us and he's, a lot worse off than than they're saying. I think he's going to be out there. Austin, are you suggesting that an NBA front office might be completely honest with us right now? Is that what you're? It's what, what do they call it? Smoke and mirrors. It's just all part of it's all part of the game, right? You know, you never they just lie to people left and right. That's really what they do. Don't trust the front office. All right. So next thing to focus on Chris Paul's legacy. Now, being a part of the Off the Ball Network, we always have to plug the group chat. It feels like a lot of people are kind of quick to want to defend Chris Paul and his legacy as if he really needs it. I feel like his legacy is already secure with or without a ring, Mm -hmm. but maybe he jumps ahead of some people with the ring. Maybe that kind of solidifies um, or validates his existence in the NBA to some people a little bit more than others. Um, Already one of the best players in the NBA without a ring has fought off his, you know, oft injured story of, you know, he's always injured when it matters the most. You know, don't want to knock on wood here, but um, they still have seven more games at at most to go. Four games at least to go. What is, what is Chris is Chris Paul's legacy on the line here? I mean, I'm with you. I think his he's going to go down as a top three or four point guard of all time, regardless. I just think that it'll help kind of differentiate where he really belongs if he does win one. So I, I do think to him it probably is. He probably wants one so bad being best friends with a guy like LeBron James and hearing all the talk you hear about how how many rings this guy has and this guy has. And everybody in the NBA that pl- has played in the NBA knows Chris Paul has been the point god for his whole career. There's a reason mm-hmm. that's his nickname. Everybody knows how good he is. He just he needs this one thing on his resume 50 years down the road where people that are talking about it like you and me who never even saw him on a court mm-hmm. have to be able to, to understand how good he really was. And otherwise, you could make the case that he would end up going down as like the winningest or I guess like he 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 was like a winner, right? Everywhere he went, he won. But if he never wins a title, is he like the the most loser winner? I, I don't know how to how to word it right. But like if he never wins a ring, is he the, the greatest, winner to, greatest winner to never win a ring? Because he wins everywhere he goes. He makes every team he's ever been on better but he's never been able to get over the hump. And I would like to see that for him. And I think he would too. So I do think it does matter for his legacy overall, but not really that much. 
Yeah, I, I'm inclined to agree with you, man. I don't think that it's going to be, if anything, it's just icing on the cake, but the cake is still good without it, you know, if that makes any sense. Well, um, they they tried, dude. They they hurt him in the, fir- in the first round, and he got COVID in the second round, and it's like every they're throwing everything at him, and he's he, I think he's he's pretty determined this year. He's not going to let anything derail him. Yeah, it feels like destiny almost right here. Yeah. So, Austin, the next thing I want to pay attention to is the battle of the minds. You know, is Coach Butter, is uh, Coach Monty Williams, are they going to make the unnecessary adjustments in order to put their teams in the best position to win you know is Monty going to be able to come up with some sort of defensive scheme to where they can maybe defend Giannis a little bit and still not completely disregard a Chris Middleton or a Drew Holiday and then on the opposite side of this is uh is Bud going to adjust properly to a Chris Paul team yeah um I I think we can be pretty confident that one coach is definitely going to put his team in in really good spots to to succeed and one we're not so sure about and for good reason. And I'll let you decide who's who. I think you know who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think Phoenix matches up fairly well across the board with Milwaukee. They've got a lot of good physical, you know, athletic wing players that can kind of, you know, throw they can throw at Chris Middleton. If Giannis isn't hundred percent, obviously that helps Phoenix. Ayton's, you know, DeAndre Ayton's been a, a like I said, he's been fantastic. So I think he'll help slow him down some. And uh, I think the difference really is, at the end of the day, Devin Booker is better than everybody that Milwaukee has outside of Giannis. And it, at certain things, he's a heck of a lot better than everybody outside of Giannis. Chris Middleton's going to have to play like the finals MVP to win this, for Milwaukee to win. I think Chris Middleton's going to have to have this the series of his life for them to win for the simple fact that we've seen what happens in the playoffs when Giannis is, is Giannis for the most part and everybody else is kind of just, okay, it doesn't work. He's not, he's not the guy that's going to drop 45 in a game six and, and force a game seven and hit a game winning three and all that stuff and do all the things that Kevin Durant just did. It's it, that's, that's, I don't think that's what Giannis is going to be, but I do think that's what Chris Middleton is going to have to do. I think he's going to have to be just, MVP caliber Chris Middleton like he was in a couple games in this last series he's gonna have to do it every game if they want to win because they just Phoenix has just been like a, a locomotive in these playoffs it's been unreal to watch so it sounds like you're on Phoenix so let's go ahead and put it on record who do you like in this in this series I, I think it's gonna go six or seven games I don't think it's gonna be easy for e- either team but I said that about every series so far for Phoenix. I, I do have Phoenix winning. I just think, like you said, it does kind of feel like destiny. Um, and I think they have the better coach. I think they have the more um, depth than uh, Milwaukee does. Milwaukee's entire mindset did change by two things, though. The pickup of Bobby Portis and uh, P.J. Tucker. I think that's made a huge difference for this team. Ultimately, I don't think that toughness and mindset is going to be what wins or loses this series like it w- like it was in the Eastern Conference semifinals and finals just because of the mental aspect of it. I think now that they're here, that kind of goes away, and it's just are those guys going to make a difference on the scoreboard enough for Milwaukee to, to win because they're pretty evenly the best players on each either team I think are fairly comparable and not by the way they look or play or anything, just by talent level. And so I think it's going to come down to the others, like Shaq always likes to call them. And I think 
Phoenixes are better. So I'll, I've got the Suns in seven games. Okay, well, I'm going to go ahead and say, again, I know I haven't seen everything, but uh, I like to think that I know a little bit about the game of basketball. I like Milwaukee in six, and here's why. Okay. I think that they got a guy on defense that can, in critical moments, I'm not going to say clamp them up the entire game. I think that Milwaukee's got a guy who in critical moments can defend a Chris Paul and who can defend a, a, a Devin Booker. And I feel like that Phoenix has those same things for those same players. If Giannis is playing and he's 100%, DeAndre Ayton's going to be having to check, uh, you know, Brooke Lopez in the corner or Bobby Portis in the corner or the high post. Right. Giannis, is, a, is Jay Crowder going to be, you know, Cam Johnson? Are those guys going to be the ones that you put on? Frank Kaminsky. Frank Kaminsky. Are those going to be the guys that you put on Giannis? True. I, I don't know. So if Giannis plays... I like Milwaukee in six. If Giannis doesn't play, I like Phoenix in six. That's kind of where I'm living right now. Hey, you know, I I don't disagree with anything you said. I just, this is one of those things to me from what I've seen and the way it's gone. It just feels like there's something about this Phoenix team that they're just not going to be stopped. And it's not even necessarily that in uh, any other year in a seven game series that Milwaukee wouldn't be able to beat them. And it's not that they can't beat them now. I just think they're like their momentum is just too much right now. Like they're everything, all they're clicking on all cylinders. Everything has been going right for them. Even when Chris Paul had to go out with COVID, they didn't skip a beat and Giannis isn't a hundred percent and Milwaukee's, you know, banged up and everything's not quite going their way for them right now. So it could go either way. I mean, honestly, my my mind is telling me Milwaukee's the better team, but from just what I've seen with my own eyes, I just think Phoenix is going to get it done. And that's fair and good. And that's why I like being able to do the show with you, Austin. We don't have to always agree on everything, but we respect where each other are coming from. And obviously, you've got to see a little bit more than me, so what do I know? But um, Austin, oh. I know we got to get going. Um, I, I'll say it again. We said it on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. Thank you so much, man, for holding the show down. It, mean, it meant a lot to me. Proud of you. Proud of the network. Off the Ball Network is taking off. We're doing a lot of really cool things. Austin, you've done really great things. Again, just hats off to you, man. And uh, much love and much respect to everything that you did for breaking the game while I was out. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that very much. And it's definitely not been easy without you. I'm definitely so, so happy that you're back. Not just for the show, but I just missed you, man. I'm just glad to see you and that you're doing good. And that you're back with your family and, you know, all you have all the blessings that you had when you left. So uh, I'm, I'm happy for you and I'm glad that you're back and you can take over right where you left off. As far as I'm concerned. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll figure out the, the nuts and bolts and, you know, the, the duct tape and bubble gum, as you like to say, I don't see it, but you know, I, I, oh, I can be hard on myself it's too. properly placed so that it's hidden from the naked <laughs> eye, but if you know where to look, it's there. there we go. All right. Well, cool, man. Austin, uh, again, man, thank you so much. Let's uh, real quick just remind everybody that they can go to manscaped.com, use promo code BTG. They can get 20% off. Not only just is that a great deal, Austin, you mentioned earlier that you can use that on top of the existing deals that Manscaped is using, and you get free shipping all included. You can use the right tools for your job. Your balls will thank you. Your face will thank you because you do, it doesn't have to fight for, you know, um, for FaceTime with a with a overall body trimmer it has its own right. designated face trimmer now right yes absolutely it's great stuff i mean you couldn't ask for a cooler looking product either if, if that matters to you if you want your bathroom you know you 
tools to look sleek. This is they're they're go with Manscaped. There's nothing you can say that's bad about them. They're great. And as I like to say, as Stanos likes to say, it's well balanced as all things should be. I'm gonna go use that 5.0 that I got in the middle while I was out here soon, and I'll let you know how it is received. But all right, everybody, just want to mm-hmm. thank all y'all so much for tuning in. Every like, yeah. share, subscribe, rate, and review that we get means the world a difference to us. Um, we're gonna keep working hard. We're gonna keep plugging away, Austin. I got to step my game up now because my job is at stake. You know, uh, oh, no, Austin is is threatening is threatening the throne here on breaking the game. But, Absolutely um, not. I'm just solidifying <laughs> our bench behind you. That's all I was doing. Nah, it's all good, baby. It's all love and all respect. But we'll go ahead and let the people go. Just want to remind everyone: go to offtheballnetwork.com where they can get all their sports needs. We're affiliated with great people like my bookie. We're affiliated with great people like Fanatics and uh, Monkey Knife Fight. Go to offtheballnetwork.com. All of our sponsors are there, easily accessible to view. Go go there. Go follow all the instructions. We'll hook you up with some great deals with like first time bets. We, you know, my bookie will match. Fanatics has great deals as well. Go check all that out. But Austin, as I like to say, we'll let the people go and uh, we'll catch up with y'all next time. Much love, everybody. Have a good one.